Christmas is such a, a wonderful time where we get to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And this past week, we made so many memories as a family from celebrating our Christmas Eve service where we got to worship together in our candlelight service, then watching our children open up presents on Christmas Day and just seeing the excitement and just the expressions on their face and the screams when they open up their gifts and, you know, just watching our daughter get so excited when she opens up a Jimmy John's gift card. I, simple things, simple things, you know. I, for me, it was opening up these cookies that my mom always makes every year and I just asked specifically that she would make me the Christmas tree cookies, the sugar cookies, nothing special, but just sugar cookies that... I had eaten my whole life, and I said, I want you to make me a whole box of them just for myself so I don't have to share with anybody else. And that's what I did. I ate them. I still got a couple, so got to make sure the kids don't eat them. But it's such a great time, filled with great memories, and I hope you were able to make some memories as well with your families. And... But the transition from Christmas to New Year happens, and during this time, we normally kind of take this time to reflect upon this past year of everything that has happened, everything that we've gone through, the things that we had hoped for, the things that had happened, and then look at this upcoming year and just kind of dream about the endless possibilities of what's in store for us this upcoming year. There's been a meme that keeps popping up this whole year, and it said, I hate when people ask me what I'll be doing in a year. Come on, guys. I don't have 20-20 vision. Dad joke right there. Sorry. It bombed in the first service. I should have just cut it, but dad jokes, you can't let them go. You just keep pushing them and pushing them. But as you think about this upcoming year and you think about all the things that took place, I want to ask you a question. What is the one thing in your life that you would like to change right now? You know, what is that one thing? We could list several, right? I mean, I probably could list a hundred things of what I'd like to change in my life. But what's the one thing in your life that you would like to change? In the 60s, a Stanford professor named Walter Michel began conducting a series of important psychological studies. You probably heard of the study called the Marshmallow Test. It was an experiment done where they brought a child into a private room and had him sit down in a chair, and then they would place a marshmallow in front of him. And they told the child that they had a deal to make with him, you know? They said, I need to leave the room, but when I come back, if you don't touch this marshmallow, if you don't eat it, I'll give you another one. And so the child thought, you know what? It's a simple choice. One treat now or two treats later. And so the researcher would leave the room for about 15 minutes and they would observe the child. The child's left alone in the room with that marshmallow just staring right back at him, tempting him. And there was all kind of strategies that the children would use to try to stop and delay them from eating them. They would close their eyes. They would turn their heads. They would get up and walk around, try to just resist the temptation of the marshmallow. They would pull their hair. They would hover over it. They would smell it, Right? They would touch it. Well, it was pretty apparent that most kids struggled with delayed gratification. Their willpower was in short, su short supply. On average, the kids held out less than three minutes. And that's pretty impressive to me for a kid. I mean, I would probably last only three minutes. I'd be like, nah, not worth it. I'm eating it, right? But the real surprise came years later. The children who were willing to delay the gratification of eating that marshmallow, they found out that these kids had higher SAT scores, that their lower levels of substance abuse, they had better social skills, higher feelings of self-worth, and better stress management. See, the marshmallow experiment showed that the ability to delay gratification was critical for success in life. 
willpower or the ability to delay gratification was a huge indicator of future success. See, that seems like pretty strong evidence that the reason that you and I can't change that one thing that we wanted to write down there, you know, whether it's losing weight, eating healthy, stop watching a million cat videos on YouTube, right, is because you and I ate the marshmallow. You know, we are one of those that ate it. The problem, though, was they found that the study was flawed. Behavioral science has proven that willpower is limited in supply. And every day, in one form or another, you exert willpower. You resist the urge to surf the web instead of filling out your financial reports. You reach for a salad instead of the burger that you're craving, right? You bite your tongue instead of making that sarcastic remark. Yet research shows that resisting repeated temptations takes a mental toll, right? Some experts will liken willpower to a muscle that can get fatigued from overuse. Kind of like gasoline in a tank of a car. There's a limited supply, meaning the more you practice it, the less you have of it, right? The more you are forced to make real hard decisions, the less willpower you actually have over time. So going back to our marshmallow test, researchers say that the child who couldn't resist tasting that marshmallow didn't suffer from a lack of willpower, but they already had to practice a lot of self-restraint earlier that day. See, researchers are finding out what God has known all along, and that's you and I have the same amount of willpower as the person sitting next to you. People change not so much because they're born with this extraordinary discipline, but because they've built strong habits that can carry them through when their willpower fails them. Gary Keller in the book, The One Thing, he says, when we know something that needs to be done but isn't currently getting done, we often say, I just need more discipline. Actually, we need the habit of doing it. And we need just enough discipline to build the habit. The trick to success is to choose the right habit and bring just enough discipline to establish it. That's it. Aristotle said it more concisely. He said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. And this is a great time for us as we begin to transition this from this old year to this new year. Everyone on the planet is thinking about resolutions and changing their lifestyle. And this morning, I want to talk about building a habit But I want to talk about something that's more important than losing weight or getting out of debt or whatever goal that you have for this upcoming year. And that's the power of daily Bible reading. And so will you stand with me this morning out of honor of reading the Word of God? It's found in Psalm 1, starting in verse 1. It says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word brings life. And God, that you desire for us to pick it up and read it. And so I pray, God, may today be a day God, where it just all clicks with us. May today be the day that we begin to build a healthy habit, this healthy habit of daily Bible reading, where we can get to know you more, where we get to hear your word, and where your word changes our life forever. And so, God, I pray, speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This morning, I want to talk about building a habit of reading your Bible. And habit formation researchers talk about how if you want to make a behavior a habit, there has to be three things in place. There there has to be a reminder, you have to have a routine, and there has to be a reward. And so let me give you an example of all three of these. And, And it's smoking, right? 
Many people who smoke can't quit, and that's because they created a habit fueled by nicotine, nicotine addiction. Right? You have a reminder. You wake up, whether it's in the morning, and you just crave right, that cigarette. It could be an alarm clock goes off. It could be finishing a meal. It could be sitting down to watch a TV. But there's always a reminder to have one. And then there's the routine. They, they pick it up and, and go to a certain spot to smoke. And then there's the reward, right? You wouldn't do it if there wasn't a reward. And that reward is fueled by the effects of nicotine. So not necessarily a good habit, but it's a habit. So how does this apply to developing a habit of reading my Bible? Well, we have to create a reminder. There's a experiment that Pavlov did with dogs. When, it, when, when I think of reminders, this is what comes to my mind. If you're not aware of it, he, he created an experiment where before he fed a dog, he would ring a bell, and the dog would come running, and dog would get food. And he'd repeat this process over and over and over again, kind of like as a, a parent screaming to their child, dinner's ready, they come running, right? And there's the food, and they're ready, and they scarf it down, right? And so he kept repeating this process over and over again until he conditioned the dog well enough to the point where he rang the bell, the dog came running, waited for the food, and began to salivate, desiring that food, well, there was a more recent study that was done on an episode of The Office where Jim would make the computer chime and then he would offer Dwight an Altoid. And he would repeat the process over and over again, just like Pavlov. Computer chime, would you like an Altoid? I would love an Altoid. Take it, right? Computer chime, would you like an Altoid? He would take an Altoid to the point where he conditioned him well enough where he made the computer chime. And Dwight reached out his hand for an Altoid, not even thinking. And Jim sat there and asked, what are you doing? And with a confused look on his face, Dwight's like, uh, I don't know. My mouth is getting dry. I, right? He was craving that Altoid. 2 Peter 1.12 says, I will always remind you about these things. Even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth you've been taught, it's only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. See, we respond to reminders. That's how we were created. And that's how we've created dozens of small habits that we practice each day. And if you're going to develop a habit of reading your Bible daily, you need to ask yourself, when is a good time for that to happen? Choose a consistent time each day, whether it's in the morning or in the evening. It really doesn't matter, just as long as it's consistent. Consistent is the key word. If you try to read in the morning one day and then in the evening the next day, what's happening is you're going to allow where all of a sudden something's going to come up and it's going to interfere and you're just going to push it aside and you're not going to do it. And so let me give you some ways that you can set up reminders. The first one I was thinking about is you can set up an alarm on your phone. You know, we spend quite a bit of money on this little device, and some people will buy a new one every year, okay? And if that's you, just give me your old one, and I'll gladly keep refurbishing, all right? But we can set up reminders. I have a calendar app on my phone that lets me know when my next appointment is, what my day looks like, what's going on, right? I just punch it in, and boom, it'll let me know I have something going on. I even have an app on my phone where I can take notes so that I'm reminded of things that I don't want to forget. And you know what's even crazy on here? Is there is an app called Reminder. I can tap that app, punch in, get milk, right? So that it will remind me when I leave the office to pick up milk on the way home so that I don't forget it and so that the kids can have milk for their cereal in the morning, right? We have all these things available to us to help us to be reminded of doing it. 
Another way is you can have a Bible reading plan emailed to you or even sent through a push notification on your phone just to remind you, hey, don't forget to read today. You know, there are so many websites, so many different apps that, that there are out there where you can just read your Bible. and You can even actually read the old-fashioned way. There was a study that was done that, that actually showed students of all ages from elementary school all the way to college that they absorbed more when they actually read on paper than on their screens. And so it's just something to throw out there. I want you reading no matter what. So if it's your device or paper, that's great. But people retain more when they actually read on paper. And then you can also set a time to meet with someone. Find someone who will encourage you to read. And the key word there is encourage, not force, right? Because no one wants to be forced to do anything but someone who will talk with you and encourage you to read the scriptures that will ask questions like, hey, how's it going? How are you doing? Are you reading? What are you reading? Questions that will probe and, and make you want to read. Are you finding the right time? Are you getting distracted? Things like that. Because life can get busy. I don't know about you, but there are a lot of things that just happen. Even on a day off where I do nothing, I still find myself doing something. And usually, even in the midst of relaxing, of doing nothing, I find that I forget to do things. And so we need to be reminded. And so it's important to build up the habit of reading your Bible so that you are reminded that it's time. And then the second thing is we need to develop a routine and for something to be a routine, it has to be easy to, be, to, to repeat. And when you think of a routine, think of a place and a process. Each morning, Jeanette's off to work before our kids go to school. And so I have the privilege of, of waking them up and getting them ready for school. And Braden does a great, great job all on his own. I don't have to worry about him getting up and getting breakfast and, and getting off to school. But I still have to get our daughter up. And so we have a routine. I come in and I'll wake her up and I'll say, Ella, it's time to get up for school, right? And I'll do it in a sweet little voice and she'll get up and we'll go downstairs and I'll ask her, what do you want for cereal? You know, do you want your Cocoa Puffs? Do you want your Apple Jacks? You know, all the good, healthy, sugary cereals that a kid needs for school, right? And then she'll eat and then she'll get up and she'll go upstairs to get ready, it's a simple process, but it's a simple routine that we just don't deviate from. Because when you deviate, everything gets thrown out of whack, where things are rushed, everyone's kind of getting crazy, right? See, I believe the reason we fail to create a successful routine in, in reading our Bibles daily, even when we have a reminder, is partly because we lack a simple plan. Right? People don't know where to start. Do I, do I start in the book of Genesis? Do I start in the New Testament, in the book of Matthew? Or do I just take the Bible and just randomly open it up and, and start reading it? And, and so they don't have a plan. And then there's a, a lack of privacy. Maybe, maybe there just isn't a good place for you to find a quiet place and get alone. Or maybe you just have unrealistic expectations where you expect God to just show up and, and reveal the vast wonders of creation in the 60 seconds that you're, you're reading the Bible. Maybe that's not realistic, right? In Joshua 1a, it says, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. And so where are you spending time reading? Too often we, we don't put much thought into this. We don't think about it. We need to make sure we get away from distractions where we can open up our Bible and, and read it where the kids aren't distracting us, TV's not distracting us, even our phone isn't distracting us, right? And yet too often what happens is we'll start reading and the distractions creep in, and pretty soon we start paying attention to more of the distraction than what God wants to say to us. And so we feel like we're not getting anything out of it. And then we quit. 
And so here's what I would say. Pick a private place. Find a place where you can get alone and, and it's just you, where distractions are going to be minimal. I mean, let's just, be, let's just face it. I'm like everyone else. I get distracted quite easily. And so even when I'm by myself, I can get distracted. All of a sudden, I can start looking at something and be like, huh, I never noticed that before, right? But find a place that's private where you can get alone and focus, Matthew 6, 6 says, when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. When you are alone, you won't have as many distractions. You can focus in and you can have an honest relationship, an honest dialogue, an honest quiet time with God and be more focused. And then I said, pick a plan. Benjamin Franklin said, if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. And that's true. You know, so often we look at the Bible, we pick it up, and we're like, this book is so huge, there's no way I could finish it, right? I mean, I like those thin, little, tiny books that, you know, I can read in an hour that I'm done, right? I mean, that's the kind of book that I like, But did you know that if you just took 15 minutes a day and read your Bible, at the end of the year, you'd be able to read through it? At the end of the year, you would have read your entire Bible. And I know what you're saying. I'm a slow reader. So am I. I'm not a fast reader. I told the the first service that it would probably take me five years to read as many books as Pastor Clanton reads in one year. But I'm starting to probably change that, and it's probably more like, his three months to my five years, right? I mean, I'm a slow reader, and if I can do it in 15 minutes, so can you. You know, in Elevation, we have Bible reading plans that we encourage our students to pick up. You know, we hand them out to them. We we tell them, you know, read this, and it gives them a Bible plan where they read the Old Testament, the New Testament, and it takes them through an entire year. We also encourage them, you know, take your phone, download the Bible app, It'll help you to keep on track as well. Pick a plan. You know, you can even buy a Bible that will take you through in one year. Just by reading it, it has a plan in there. There is power when you pick a plan and focus on it. See, I love to watch the Olympics. There's just something about it. And and I'll watch sports that you know, I love sports, and I'll watch these sports during the Olympics that I never pay attention to. You know, I, I don't get into, I don't follow them throughout the years, so I have no idea who is who and who's good in it, and all I know is, you know what, this is kind of cool during the Olympics, and with the Winter Olympics coming on, you know, there's, there's the bobsledding, you know, and there's the luge, and there's just something about people going about 100 miles an hour down an ice slide that just gets you excited, you know? If they wipe out, it's gonna be cool, right? And I get excited by watching, you're like watching, and you're like, whoa, how are they doing that? You know, it gets me excited. But then there's also swimming, and I know that's a summer Olympic sport, but I love to watch swimming during the Olympics. I mean, it fascinates me how quick they swim. I'm a slow swimmer. I'm like, I don't know how they're like fish. And Michael Phelps, you know, the greatest swimmer of all time, he had a plan. Since the age of seven, he swam competitively every single day for five days, five years straight, 365 days a year. He swam Christmas, Thanksgiving, twice on his birthdays. He swam every day. He figured that by training on Sundays, he got another 52 extra training days for his advantage against his opponents. I don't recommend that. You know, we want you here on Sundays. But it's not a stretch to say that Phelps channeled all his energy into this one discipline to make him the best that he could be. Now, can you imagine if you and I had that same dedication where we channeled that same focus and discipline what God could do in our lives. I love the promise of Psalm 1. The law of the Lord makes them happy. They think about it day and night. 
They're like trees growing beside a stream. Trees that produce fruit in season and always have leaves. Those people succeed in everything they do. Everything they do prospers because they put God first. They focus on God. They make God a priority in their lives. And that's why it's important to create this habit in your life. Gary Keller writes about doing the hard work of habit creation. The right discipline goes a long way. And habits are hard only in the beginning. Over time, the habit you're after becomes easier and easier to sustain. It's true, habits require much less energy and effort to maintain than to begin. Put up with the discipline long enough to turn it into a habit and your journey feels different. Lock in one habit so it becomes part of your life and you can effectively ride the routine with less wear and tear on yourself. The hard stuff becomes habit and habit makes the hard stuff easy. Now there was some research done by the University College of London. They were looking at how long does it take to establish a new habit. And they were looking for that precise moment when a new behavior becomes automatic or ingrained in them. And each person chose one new habit that they were going to do. For some, they chose drinking a, a bottle of water for lunch. Others cho- chose more difficult tasks like running for 15 minutes before dinner. But at the end of all this, they analyzed the data and determined that on average, some took longer, some shorter, but on average, it was 66 days to acquire a new habit. That's pretty amazing. 66 days. So I started thinking about that's 66 days to roughly form a habit. If you started today, that means Wednesday, March 4th, statistically, you would have that habit developed. Are you willing to give 15 minutes a day until March 4th to change your life? To literally change the rest of your life? Because that's what will happen when you begin to pick up your Bible and read it. There was more research done and was found that some evidence that there was some evidence to a halo effect around habit creation. People who successfully acquired one positive habit reported less stress, less impulsive spending, better dietary habits. Sustain the discipline long enough on one habit, and not only does it become easier, but so does the other things. Researcher Charles Duhigg calls some habits keystone habits. Like a keystone over a door that holds the other stones in place, some habits are more important than others. And I can't think of a more important habit than developing the daily Bible reading habit. Whether, whatever you want to do in life, the most important thing you can do is to spend time in God's presence and to fill your mind with the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. When we begin to read the Bible, God begins to do a work in our lives. And he begins to shape us and mold us so that we can do what he wants us to do. So the first thing that's necessary to create a a habit is having a reminder. And the second is having a routine. And The third one is we need to focus on the reward. And in order to stick with any habit, you have to keep in mind of what the reward is, right? I love rewards. Rewards keep me focused. You know, you've probably heard this if you've grown up in the church to read your Bible. And last year we we bought our son a new teen Bible and it had the notes on the bottom of the pages that shared the what the scripture passages were talking about and It gave timelines of what was taking place and shared about the author, the location, and and even um, key places of what the people were doing. And and so as he read it, he could have all this different information. And 
And so when I bought it, I, I was actually looking at it, and I'm like, I, I kind of want this Bible, you know? And I thought, I bought it. I could keep it, right? It's mine, right? But I wanted him to read, and I've got a couple already. And so I gave it to him, and the other day I was asking him, what are you reading in your Bible? And he began to share how he was just starting to read Leviticus, and I was so proud of him that he's been reading, and, and I thought to myself for a moment, you know, I think I need to gently steer him to another book. I didn't want him to get lost into the, the different uh, offerings that were being explained. I didn't want him to get bogged down in that. I didn't want him to get confused, and, and yet all too often that's what happens to us. We start reading and we kind of get bogged down in the who begot who and who had who and, and all the lineage and genealogies and we kind of find ourselves lost and not really understanding what we're reading. And if we're honest, we tell ourselves we're not really getting anything out of this. See, I like to tell our students that when you read your Bible, don't read it like a textbook. Don't read it just to get through it. See, reading the Bible shouldn't become one of those things that you, you should do, and if you don't, you feel guilty about. And if that's your experience, you're missing out on the most important thing. The most important thing is reading the Bible to hear God's voice. Think about what the Bible has meant to believers throughout history. Would scribes, monks, and others spend their entire lives painstakingly copying the Bible by hand if it was just another duty for them? Would the Gutenberg choose the Bible to be the first work to be mass-produced on the printing press? Why would governments come against Christian faith and kill people for possessing a book? Would people really risk their lives to bring Bibles to, to other people if it was just something that they should just read? There has to be something more than just reading the Bible. And so I want to share with you some benefits that you're going to receive when you develop the habit of reading the Bible. First one is it gives us nourishment and growth. And like Pastor Mark said, you can find all these notes on the app, and so if you haven't downloaded it, make sure you do so. But it gives us nourishment and growth. See, the Bible wasn't written just for us to have information. It was written for our transformation so that when we read the Bible, God's word penetrates our heart and does something. See, we believe that the Bible is the inspired revelation of God. And when we read it, it requires us to respond. See, when you read the Bible and you come across a passage that tells you that you have to turn away from your sin. It challenges you. Do I want to stay and do what I'm doing? Or do I want to turn, ask for forgiveness, and live faithfully for God? See, God loves us and he desires for us to live a godly and healthy life. In the Bible, John 10.10 10 says Jesus' purpose was to give us a rich and satisfying life. And when we read the Bible, it, it provides us with the spiritual nourishment that we need so that we can grow into mature, passionate followers of Christ. In 2 Peter 1, it says, May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We've received all of this by coming to know him, the, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of your Lord Jesus Christ. 
when you read your Bible, it will change you. See, there's, there is this satisfaction and nourishment for your soul through God's Word that you can't find anywhere else. No other book is going to give it to you. It's the doorway to intimacy with God. And without it, your spiritual well-being is going to be starved and stunted. Another benefit for reading the Bible is that it shapes your strengths and values. One of the biggest factors in your success in any, of your, any area of your life is your thinking. You know, your personal relationships, enjoyment, fulfillment in life, your vocation, your character development, and on and on. Spending time reading the Bible regularly provides a new perspective. It gives you ideas, principles. It gives you the truth that, that helps you in your everyday life. When you read the Bible, it will begin to change the way you think. And instead of your focus being on you and your problems, instead of being fixated upon that, it begins to change your perspective your focus begins to shift off of yourself and onto God and what He wants. And when your perspective shifts off of you, you begin to gain eternal values. See, by continuing to read your Bible, you're renewing your mind. In Romans 12, 2, it says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you'll... Learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Another benefit from reading the Bible is that it gives guidance for decision-making. From the second you open your eyes, you are faced with decisions. Some decisions are simple and easy, while others are hard, right? Simple decisions like, what cereal should I eat for breakfast? Should I eat Cocoa Puffs or Raisin Bran, right? No question, Cocoa Puffs, right? The sugary cereal that's meant for health, right? But then there's other major decisions that you're faced with, you know? What career should I go into? Who should I marry? Should we have a family? Should we have kids? How many kids should we have? Should we have two, three, ten, right? How many kids should we have? Where do we live? Should we rent? Should we buy? Major decisions. What bill should I pay first? Right? When money's tight, I've got all these bills. What bill should I pay first? Difficult decisions. Decisions both big and small, they, they can be a bit overwhelming. But when we develop the habit of reading the Bible... And it begins to transform us and change us. God's will, his desire for your life begins to become more evident. You begin to see your life through God's eyes. Does the Bible have anything to say about a particular issue that you're facing? Right? Can there be helpful insights gained from the circumstances that you're faced in? Yeah. When you read the Bible, it will tell you how to live what you can do. You just need to be careful that you don't misinterpret and misapply a verse to your life. But there's a lot of answers to all your problems if you read the Bible. They can be found in the Bible. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. When you're reading the Bible, it will guide you. It will speak to you. Proverbs 1, 4, and 5 says these proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. When we read the Bible, it will guide us. It will give us wisdom. It will give us discernment. It will help us to make better choices so that we can make good decisions. So you'll have a better understanding of who God is, what he desires for your life. See, the scriptures give you wisdom, guidance, and decisions that will shape your life and, and give you a holy perspective so that you can respond in the right way when your circumstances begin to present themselves.
And let me share one more benefit from reading the Bible that it gives us a knowledge of God. When I'm sharing with our students about reading the Bible, I, I tell them that, I say, you know, God knows everything about you. And at first, that can be a scary thought. God knows everything about me. He knows everything. He knows what I'm thinking. He knows what I'm going to do before I even do it. Right? He knows what I'm watching. He knows what I'm doing. That's, can, that can be a scary thought. But the more you get to know God, the better that thought becomes. And it becomes, you know what? I feel refreshed and I'm at peace and I feel secure knowing that God knows everything about me, that he's always watching me. You know what? That puts me at ease. See, God knows every little hair that's on your head. He's numbered them and he knows when that one falls out. Wow. He knows what I'm going to say before I even say it. Wow. He sees what I'm doing. Wow. That can be scary. Until you realize, yet he still loves me. He still is madly in love with me. He still cares about me. He sees that, he knows that, and his thoughts about me still doesn't change. And that's when I realize, you know what? That puts me at ease. It puts me at peace. He knows what we're doing. And God wants us to know him. He knows everything about you, and he wants you to begin to know him. And that's the purpose of the Bible, so that we can get to know God. The Bible is the revelation of who God is, his, his purpose, his plan for us, his character, his love for us. See, we can't hope to know who God is and his ways unless we spend time in his word. And I like to tell our students, you know, when you read the Bible, it's God's love letter written to you. When I was in middle school, we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have texting, we didn't have emails, and so, you know, we had to do things the old-fashioned way. We had to write with pens and paper and pencils and being left-handed. I hated that because I would end up with a silver hand at the end of the day. But there was one thing that we would do as kids, you know? There was a custom that when you liked somebody, you or somebody, you know, one of your friends would write a note and, and give it to that person. And a note would say, do you like so-and-so? And then they would have those two little boxes, check yes or no, right? And, and you're always hoping for that yes, right? And devastated when that no comes. But when they said yes, you, you would start a relationship. You would begin to write notes back and forth, and you would pass them in between classes. And, and those notes would say things like, oh, you're the cutest person in the world, and I love you so much. And, and you'd begin to write notes, and those notes would begin to just share who you are, the things you like. It would tell that person how much you cared about them. And it's the same way in the Bible. The Bible is the way God wrote to us to share who he is, to share how much he loves you. He demonstrated that love on the cross and he wrote it out for us so that we can continue to pick it up and read it, right? Just like those teenagers, I would pick up those notes and smell it so that they could smell that person, right? The perfume and, yep, smells just like them, right? We pick up our Bible and we read it so that we can know who God is. See, it's a way for us to get to know him, what he wants from us. In James 1, it says, don't just listen to the, God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at a, your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. Now, some of us want to forget what we look like when we walk away, but that's not what it's saying here. If you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. See, there's more than just reading your Bible there's more than just reflecting and remembering what we read. We need to make sure we put it into action. 
See, God's word is released in our lives when we begin to apply what we're reading. When we begin to love others the way that God loves. When we begin to forgive others the way that God forgave us. When we can be the person that God wants us to be. When we apply the word. When we look into that mirror, you have a choice. You can look and walk away and forget, or you can look intently and act upon what you see. And when we do, when we apply what we've read, we'll be blessed. We'll truly be joyful and we'll find fulfillment in our life. When we know who God is, we'll understand we need to apply his word to our life. And when we begin to apply his word, he begins to make us into his image. See, there's so many more benefits that I could share with you this morning. But if you want to reap these benefits, you need to find a way to make this a habit in your life. I asked at the beginning of this message, what's the one thing that you'd like to change in your life? You know, we don't have the willpower to do it on our own. We need help. But by turning to God and allowing him into our lives, that's the only way to do it. And by making a habit of getting alone and spending time with God, reading his word and applying it to our lives, all the things that we want to change, all the things that we want to change in our life, you know what may happen? We may see that God wants to change some other things first. And when we allow him to do the work in our lives, at the end of the year, we'll look back and say, wow, I still may not have changed this, but I've seen so many other things in my life changed. I've seen so many other things that God has done in my life by allowing him into my life, allowing him to speak to my heart, changing it, and applying it and living it out daily. So take 15 minutes the next 66 days. Begin a habit that will change not just your life now, but for eternity. And that's the amazing thing. Spending time with God is going to give you a benefit now and for the future. You know, listen to an audio Bible you know, version when you're commuting from work and to work. Spend a few moments at breakfast just reading some scripture passages. Download the Bible app. Get a reading plan. Whatever it is, it's never been easier to do it now. And it's never been more important to make Bible reading a part of your life. And so as we look at the growth work this morning, I asked, how important to you is reading the Bible? You know, on a scale of one to five, five being so important, you know, the most important thing in your life, how important is it? And if you're honest with yourself and you say, you know what, it really hasn't been important. Maybe it was a one. I want to challenge you. Make it a two this year. You know, maybe you said a three. Make it a four this year. Maybe it was a four. Make it a five this year. Begin to take that step. And when you take that step, you'll be rewarded. You won't regret it. And then how often do you read the Bible? You know, is it once a year, once a month, once a week when we're in church service and we throw it up on the screen? You know, how often do you read it? I want to challenge you. Pick it up and begin to read it. Length doesn't matter. The most important thing is allowing God to speak to you. And so I've told our students, you know, you start reading your Bible and you get to two words and all of a sudden you stop and God's just speaking to you. That's awesome. All I've read was two words. God spoke to you, didn't he? Maybe it's going to take two chapters for him to start speaking to you. But whatever it is, 
allow God to begin to speak to you. And then number three, what is he speaking to you when you read? Write it down. Journal those thoughts. And as God begins to speak to you, begin to apply it in your life. And when you begin to apply what you're reading, you're going to begin to see your life changed. Let's pray this morning. God, I thank you for that love letter that you've written to us, the Bible. God, it's your love letter. You've given it to us so that we can know you, so that we can know the purpose, the plans you have for us. God, so that we can know what you want for us, how to live our life for you. And so, God, I pray this morning, may we begin to take time each day to develop the habit of reading our Bible daily. And so, God, I pray, may we find joy, excitement. God, may we find you doing a great work in our hearts and in our mind as we begin to pick it up and apply it to our lives. This morning, if you're here and you haven't crossed the line of faith and have committed your life to Christ, and this morning you want to make that decision, you want to start this upcoming year the right way, will you pray this prayer with me? You don't have to pray out loud, but just simply pray, Jesus, I thank you so much for loving me and dying for me on the cross. And God, I, I don't understand it all and I don't, I don't know it all, but I do know today I need you in my life. I need to be forgiven of the things I've done, what the Bible's called sin. And I ask you to come into my life and forgive me. Make me a new person today. Help me to live for you each day of my life experience all that you have for me. God, I pray in Jesus' name. And God, I pray for the rest of us here today. God, that this upcoming year would be a year of growth. God, that we would see spiritual growth in our lives. God, that we would set reminders in our life so that we would be reminded to spend time with you each day. God, that we would develop a simple routine. God, whether it's the first thing we do in the morning or God, after we get home from school or work or before we go to bed, God, help us to get into a routine of spending time with you daily. And God, may we enjoy the rewards God, for those that need wisdom, may you give it to them. For those that need growth, may, may you help them to become passionate followers of Christ as they spend time in your word. God, may you change perspectives and values to the things that you value. And God, may we all get to know you more this year. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.